podcast exploring faith and fear, what scares us and what saves us. This is The Fear of God. Hello, and welcome to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear where every single week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us this is the fear of god and this is almost the end of scream Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> speaking to you right now is one of your hosts nathan rouse and typically with me his fellow co-host reed lackey and guys gals listeners reed was here but he stormed out when i accidentally reminded him of the time in college he got a c minus on his giallo paper that Reed, what are we going to do with him? While we wait on Reed, I would like to welcome to the show this time. There's three Jackson, Harper, Vera, <laughs> Gowdy, and Blake Collier. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey you guys. <laughs> I'll try it this way. Welcome, so many Blake. suspects. Hey, how's it going? Good. Welcome, Jackson. Hi. <laughs> Lastly, welcome, Vera. Hi. <laughs> um, okay. Jackson, Vera, Blake, y'all put the final touches on your stab museum. While I remind listeners that here at the fear of God, we explore. We do not explain except for right now. And I explain that you can find all things foggy at the fear of God podcast.com things such as, and especially how to support us on Patreon. More on that in a moment, because who is this emerging from the fog? The one and the only, you got to see minus on that paper. (laughs) Oh man. I still feel like I was robbed. You just don't appreciate the finer points of Giallo. So, Mm. you know, it's true. That would be a true statement. Yellow. And, (laughs) and that was your whole paper. And that's, that was, that's, that's literally, (laughs) look, it's a true statement. It's like, you know, uh, tell me about giallo and i said it means yellow i turned that in and that was the end of my paper bill Look, cosby it, made a career on it i don't i don't quite know how to take that <laughs> i do <laughs> you it said does, it <laughs> it does remind me uh it does remind me though of one of my favorite i i don't even know if this truly happened in the world or not but presumably there was a philosophy paper where the final exam question simply said why it was a philosophy class and the final exam pay, uh, question simply said was why it, was it w h y or was it just why question yeah mark? just just w h y with a question mark and then some student wrote because and turned it in and they gave him an a <laughs> so, <laughs> solid answer so but uh Fair. anyway did you, get, hi. did you get any c's in college read uh i didn't know you in that way in college for <laughs> final how are your grades? Let's just talk about it. I'm sure I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. If I did, I guarantee you it was for one of two reasons. Number one, it was probably a science class 
something like geology or biology or something like that. If I did get one, I had to work very hard in the collegiate science courses. I passed them all, but I guarantee you, if I got a C in my, in my uh, college career, it was in a science class. Um, the other one would have been because our mutual professor, Keith, always used to have this rule where like he would give you a free absence, period. Shout out Keith if he's listening to this. He would give you a free absence, no excuses needed, whatever. But then your second time that you missed, he would dock half a grade and would just keep going down every time you missed past that. So if I got a if I got to see it was either in science or one of Keith's classes is basically what I'm saying. So uh hmm. yeah. That's it. It's in your major, effectively. I mean, uh, <laughs> hmm. Did you ever get any C's? As long as we're talking about Oh, life. I failed a class. <laughs> You're like, I'll tell, and I will tell you why it haunts me to this day. This, this, you know, uh, experience, which was, um, uh, it was a, it was a journalism class and I was doing quite well in this journalism class because for a brief moment in time, I was an English major until I failed this particular class because, um, as a theater person, we are creatures of the night and, (laughs) you know, uh, you'd be at rehearsal or a performance and then hanging with your theater crew until the wee hours of the night. This is an 8 a.m. class. Um, I missed a number of them and read our uh, at least at a certain level of uh, of life phase mutual friend Jennifer Carlisle. Um, It was her class and she was like, Nathan, you cannot miss another class or I'll have to fail you. I said, "I, I know, I know, I get it. I got it. Oh, no. Message received mm-hmm. and one day i overslept oh, oh no and that was and it, that was it. And i knew it and i knew it and i like raced wow. across class uh, raced across yeah. campus and i was like please please she's like no i said i know i know you're doing I the know. right thing I'm i know God. yeah mom, mom dad i'm pregnant you know that's what i wrote <laughs> well same same professor same professor uh similar speech and i overslept one time but made it to class but she refused to permit me to participate in the class because I was, mm. I, I entered halfway through it. Um, mm. So yes. yeah, I did not. Yeah, I, that's I that's that's slightly different than getting failed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh no, no, I know. Well, then just, I pivoted just, to become yeah. a theater major and met Reed Lackey, and here we are, twenty five years later. <laughs> wow. So there it is. all works out in the exactly, end. exactly. Failure, failing upward. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Guests, co-host, college professors. Uh, uh, we have some quick business to attend to before we get to our main discussion for today. One, listeners, if you're finding us for the first time today, welcome! And know you've caught us at the penultimate conversation in Screamoween, our series celebrating ghost face stab movies and all things Woodsboro. Last week, we covered Scream 5 with Drew Paston and one of our core four today, Jackson Harper. <laughs> but today, Reed Jackson, returning Scream-A-Wiener Vera, and first-time Scream-A-Wiener Blake Collier, <laughs> and I will visit the Big Apple for 2023's Scream 6. That's right, one of the first times, one of the few times we've covered a movie the same year it released. Um, today's conversation will also feature a patron-only segment of all of us discussing our favorite Halloween pastimes and traditions. Bobbing for apples, anyone? Yeah? No? Okay. <laughs> the second order of business today is it's time for Foggoween. Foggoween is this Sunday, October 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at my house. I'm just kidding. Don't show up at Don't my house. Up, that's creepy. 
Uh, it is our annual Halloween party. How do you get to come to Fogoween? Join Patreon. Join our Patreon at any level, and you can come hang out with us and other Foggers at this year's Fogoween. Games, laughs, costumes, maybe prizes. We hope to see you there. Come join us. It'll be a grand old time. Maybe Jackson won't insist on winning this time. Jeez Louise. <laughs> I'm going to get blocked, firewalled out of the Zoom. Um, a few other quick business notes before our patron segment here. Blake, our quarterly king, you've got a new pod venture afoot. Am I right? Yes. I well, hope I'm right, because that's what my wish. notes say. For a year. Um, what? We're a year and nearly a year and a half in. Okay. Well, you know what? New to us, Life though. is busy. Okay. It's hard to pay attention to all the things. It's been a minute since I've seen you. Okay. And it's, Why don't and, you... and we are self-described as a dingus podcast. So it's our well, little dingus podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, tell us about that because inquiring minds and ignorant co-hosts want to know. Uh, well, so my co-host and I, uh, my co-host, Jameson Barsotti, um, who I thought was Barsotti until our very first episode. And he corrected me. Wow. Because I've never heard him actually say his last name. Funny enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about films. We each pick one. We kind of go back and forth, pick a film that we either haven't seen in a while or haven't seen at all. Just something that we think kind of went under the radar. Um, and we kind of talk about it. But usually we start out with about 45 minutes of BS. Uh, just talking about whatever comes to our mind, uh, parenting, like. parenting, college uh, grades, college <laughs> grades. Yeah. Just anything. And then we get into the actual movie and we discuss the movie, but we call it a, we call it really not really a, fod- or a podcast, but a field recording. Cause it's really uh-huh. just hmm. us talking for two, okay. you know, nearly two hours. And it is called fly by films fly by films get it because these films get flown by mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. it's quite clever well is it i'm so i'm sold <laughs> <laughs> no it's fun it's, it's fun it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun yeah i've been listening to it there is a lot of out. cussing so this is a, oh, lot there of is a podcast well yes yes it's true okay. we believe it here they don't there yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we do not. i expect we no do less not. from the our sailor Sailor Collier. It's true. Um, it's true. <laughs> speaking of quarterly kings, Reed, uh, mm. why don't you let listeners know about what's next on that front? Oh, yes. Okay. So a couple of weeks from now, not entirely certain exactly when it will drop. It may drop at you know the very next episode past Screamoween, or it might uh, wait a week or so. But soon, imminent on the horizon, our next quarterly king, the last quarterly king we did, we just invited everybody to the party for night shift uh i really loved was that, that. this year Goodness that was this gracious. year and it was so fun it was back in april had a lot of fun talking about all these different stories in night shift i just loved the way we did that hopefully listeners enjoyed it as well but this time we are going back to a straightforward novel and uh i'm gonna do a quasi apology to listeners that we didn't let you know sooner because it's a big one it's a very long novel uh but it's also my opinion a very good novel it is his book needful things which is billed mm. as the last castle rock story we will in fact be covering the novel the content of the novel and the film directed by Fla- fraser clark henson um there is Released, uh, I believe, this year. There is um, a special, uh, until this year, very hard-to-find three-hour miniseries version of Heston's film. I think I said Henson. It's Heston. Fraser Clark Heston. Um, yeah. Heston's film, uh, 
that is on a Blu-ray release that Keanu Lorber did. But anyway, the point being, acquaint yourself with Needful Things if you've never read the book. Uh, if you want to check out the audiobook, Stephen King narrates the audiobook. Uh, very, very fun. Very good. Uh, but Needful Things is going to be the next Quarterly King sometime shortly after Scream Wing concludes. So be ready for that. You know, that is the uh, first Stephen King book I ever read. Oh, huh. wow. Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. And it references so many other ones in it. That's cool. Yeah. Y- yes. And Uncle Stevie does narrate it because that is the version I'm imbibing at the moment. And mm. same here. Yeah humorously slash curiously slash hmm there are these interesting audio flourishes yes in it that yes. are i can't decide if i'm like that's cool or if i'm like no don't do that no. yeah that's that's kind of more Let's what i feel that. but yeah nonetheless <laughs> they're there what are, they're there are you able to elaborate i read the book so are you able to so, it's like carnival music well, it depends on where it is. It's it's the intention is mood for the huh. audio format, but it happens okay. very sporadically. And when it does, I haven't looked to see when the actual recording was, but it feels very dated oh, uh, when okay. when those things come in, because the audio is like to, to Blake's point every now and then it feels a little calliope or like, you know, That's later so on, weird. it's like the. Dun, 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 dun. I was like, what are you doing here, y'all? <laughs> really? Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's mm, it's okay. it's a choice, <laughs> as all we right. might say. Um, all right. That is enough business for now. Core five. Let's talk Halloween for the patrons. Listeners, we will be right back to cross the ladder suspended between high-rise apartment building windows. I hope we make it in one piece. All right, so about this movie, we are here talking about the final film in this little Scream-A-Ween process, uh, the penultimate episode, but the final film. And I'm going to read as a kickoff for us the Apple iTunes summary of Scream 6. Here it is. The four survivors from the most recent Woodsboro Ghostface killings have moved to New York City for a fresh start. Just as they begin to feel a sense of normalcy, they receive that infamous call. Ghostface is more brutal and relentless than ever and will stop at nothing to hunt them down. It's a very concise and uh, it was. And, and, and I was kind of surprised, and, actually. Yeah. And a wonderfully inviting little uh, little summary. Um, OK, so I am going to start this round with Blake because Vera and Jackson have both been on Screamoween episodes prior to this. So, Blake, what is your history with the Scream franchise and how did you broadly feel about Scream 6? Uh, I thought hit there for a second. I thought you were going to ask what my scary, favorite scary movie was. And I was ah. like, too soon. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> too soon. So I remember going to see the very first screen movie with my sister uh, when I was, uh, let's see, that was 96. I'm going to say. So I would have been 13, 14. Uh, and my sister took me because uh, she was old enough at that point to be my parental <laughs> person so um yeah she she took me to go see scream and i remember that very fondly as a one of those you know rare memories where 
she and I were not like constantly at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's that, that movie will always have kind of a fondness in my heart. Um, on further viewings, I, I've never really been a scream fan mm-hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I I love Wes Craven. Um, I think he's one of the most thoughtful filmmakers of all time, Mm. but his execution is not always in the same vein as I would like it to be. Um, Sure. So um, I like his ideas often more than I like his execution um, of those ideas. So they tend to be ones that I like, but never will watch actively. So I had never actually seen five and six uh, until y'all asked me to be on mm. this, this episode. So I went ahead and watched five and six. Mm-hmm. So I felt like mm-hmm. I was missing something if I didn't. Sure. Um, I I was not happy that they killed Dewey. Um, but mm-hmm. oh well. no one is, brother. No one is. Yeah, Nobody no is. is. Yeah. <laughs> so I. Yeah, I. I think they're, I think they're completely solid films. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think six carries in the same tradition. I I will say that I think five and six want to be, I think they think they're more clever than they actually are. Um, Mm -hmm. the whole requel idea is, is, is kind of cute, but I'm not sure that the history kind of has made it to where those, like their franchise ideas have actually warranted that, that spoofing that degree um, mm-hmm. so like with scream you have like two cycles of slasher films to kind of just tear apart with the rules and mm-hmm. things like that so the first one is clever in the sense that it's being super meta um i feel like five and six they're trying for something new and i give them credit for that but i'm not sure the history from the first scream to then bears out enough space in order for that to actually ring true Mm. So I, I I might ding them a little bit on that, but I still think they're pretty serviceable films and, and they're fun and they're full of really good jump scares and good mm-hmm. actors. So, you know, yeah. like it's funny you, the, the way you articulated that, because while I am, uh, um, I appreciate 96 for its place in my own sort of memory and in the, the cultural, um, the, the the sort of zeitgeist it, it created really um I, I was a nominal fan of the series even when we first covered four didn't find as much to love in it as some of our peers but something about five and six really turned a corner for me um part of it's just i think the production value is really high i think generally yeah. speaking they're more um kind of just uh, in total uh complete pieces but interestingly enough with as much as i actively like i think i've got five and six at four stars on letterbox currently um as much as i would praise them both one of the critiques of six i think that i was reading at the time of its release which i don't even totally disagree with but it's kind of in line with what you're saying is that you know one and arguably two possibly three but not really it's an outlier but are commenting on a grand history, you know, that mm-hmm. they, they are mm-hmm. the, the retrospective, uh, um, landscape is vast. Uh, mm-hmm. whereas where they're at now, it's not that they're making up their own rules. It's they are now the thing they sought to comment on. And, and, and mm-hmm. what does that do in this Ouroboros style 
conversation mm-hmm. because I won't disagree. It feels a little forced. Uh, honestly, I think six is a, a bigger offender of this than five is. Five oh, at yeah. least has yeah, this curious. Five has this interesting like grafting uh, pop culture generally, not just horror culture, but pop culture uh, storytelling generally in and using that as its engine of kind of yeah. rules based storytelling. Whereas six, it's like when when the rules part happens, you're like. I, Okay. This, yeah. We've literally stopped the movie for a monologue yeah. about rules that yeah. is arguably hard to make sense of. You know, it's like, okay. But yeah, that was but the, it's that, a really well delivered monologue. Oh, sure. it is. Yeah. Sure. So, and again, yeah. I'm actually not. I'll take it. Uh, yeah. I, I like six a whole lot. I'm simply saying I can at least see, you know, if, if you're, uh, if, if 96 was uh, exceptional for how. It comments on the history, uh, even if I think some of its execution is a little shaky. I think the execution of six is extremely strong. It's just inner mechanics are kind of, or at least what it's trying to point to from a mechanical standpoint. It's like, eh, okay, whatever. You know, I don't care. <laughs> it's, it, fun. it's funny because before I watched five and six, for whatever reason, my strongest positive, like, entry in the franchise was four and i haven't seen it since it came out so i don't actually very know strong. if it would stand up yes i um, think it would i i mean i yeah i, I, think I have it would. a distinct memory of the first like five to ten minutes of the movie being mm. something that really wowed me um mm. but i have no memory of anything past that so i i it's something i need to revisit i think at some point it's possible but, four could be your 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 one you know like because yeah, it, it's, it really stands on its own thematically and mm-hmm, sort of narratively yeah. um and, it doesn't and i do want to point out like like my my criticisms of five and six are less about the technique because i actually like the guys who direct both of them sure um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, did, I did the last segment and the first vhs movie which mm-hmm. i love that film um and that last segment is really great and i think it's uh i think having them do it is a nice little um just a little memory for me going back to that watching vhs for the first time but um i think it's really well done i think the acting is great um it's nice to see uh dermot Mulroney um yeah. back in a movie he's always great um but yeah it, it, it's i i feel about i feel about six what i feel about just scream movies in general is they're fun they're enjoyable but at the end of the day, eh, I'd rather watch sure. something else. So, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, Nathan, you had kind of jumped in there a little bit. Why don't you round off your feelings about Scream 6 before we go to Vera and Jackson? Okay, Lackey. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, for whatever credence I'll give to the, some of the criticism I was referencing, I feel like I texted you, Reed, after it. Um, because 5 and 6 are the first I've seen in the theater since 2, I think. It's possible I saw three in the theater, but it's such a forgettable um, with a few unforgettable moments, but a forgettable overall, um, you know, exercise that that who knows who saw it or didn't in the theater. Uh, but I, I feel like my energy coming out of my theater viewing of six was very positive. Um, I mean, you know, I right now it would take a lot of work for me to derail my affection for this current generation of scream like Mm. it would it would have to really they'd have to swing for the fences and miss horribly uh in that effort to to really kind of deflate my energy um i do think six 
if I, if I'm trying to be even, uh, if I'm trying to be measured in my affection for six, the museum aspect of it is a big ask. Uh, it's just kind of narratively like, <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> this is <laughs> a lot, you know, which, which isn't even me saying it doesn't work or kind of fails as a concept. It's just, it's very concept forward um, in a way that like a lot of that stuff would be in police custody. <laughs> well, you know, that's what Mulroney's for and You're yeah. giving stuff slips ending. out of custody. <laughs> um, sure, Vera, you know, let's just yada yada that True, part. though. Um, well, I, I know. I am saying, yes, it is true. But if we're asking for verisimilitude here, we're going to struggle. Um, we just we get Vera, not verisimilitude. Um, and, you know, so I, I think if I have any. OK, I'll say this. I love six. Um, I love five. If I have quibbles with six, it pushes the boundaries of what what level of disbelief I can suspend on people's ability to get back up or to survive. You know, by the end of it, they are using characters as pin cushions. Oh, yeah. Who survived the film. And I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, I still had fun, though. You know, like it really. Uh, so so again, my there's some there's some narrative struggles with it. However, uh, what I think Scream 6 does well, it does exceptionally well. I mean, the subway set piece, the ladder set piece, the opening teaser, the the swerve of of the teaser itself. Um, you know, I think uh, its attempts to speak to Scream 3, a la Scream 3 has one killer, Scream 6 now has three, like it's it's changing that equation. Does It works. That works for me uh in, in a way that in scream three doesn't really you know when scream three reveals itself you're like oh wow mm-hmm. that's this is this is a choice uh whereas with this one you're like okay well that's a cool cool turn long-winded way of getting to i like scream six a lot i've got a few uh extra small issues with it than i do with five uh, but it doesn't dilute my overall just kind of affection and and along for the ride feelings i have for this kind of current era sure I, sure i sure, feel sure. like i feel like the first five to ten minutes of every screen movie is the best part of the screen franchise <laughs> they're usually pretty great they're usually they're great. pretty great. They're great yeah yeah uh pretty uh al- almost unanimously even in scream three i like the opener of scream three mm-hmm. um vera uh I, we heard a little bit when you were on with scream four about your history with the franchise but how do you feel about uh scream six well this new crop of of films the last couple yeah i like Nathan, um, find them very enjoyable. Minor quibbles with some of it. I like five better than six. I think six is enjoyable, but um, a little bit of suspension of disbelief problems. I figured out who the killers were way early on, which was kind of a <laughs> bummer because mm-hmm. the the whodunit thing is is interesting to me. That's fine. Um, yeah. I find them, especially six, more brutal than it is scary. Mm. Um, but I don't find the screen movie scary in general. But this one is like, yeah, um, very stabby, very stabby. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Lots of stabbing. So much stabbing. But um, I, I really like them. I like the cast. I think they all do a really great job. I like the um, emotional punches that they try and put in there. Um, I, I, yeah, 
I hope huh? they keep going. They are going to keep going. I, I read today that they got greenlit for seven. So Oh, yeah. They made way too much money to not keep going on this. Yeah. Like Scream 6 definitely made like a ton hey, of money. One of the yeah. most at some point, At some point, Nathan, you need to tell them your idea for what needs to happen in the next one. That's on the epilogue to Scream Away. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, right. I texted Tune them. In, I was listeners. like, he's epilogue. Y'all need to pitch Scream se- Scream mm-hmm. 7. Yeah. It's planned. It's planned. Um, mm-hmm. Jackson, how do you feel about Scream 6? Okay. So everybody knows at this point, I love this franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first saw Scream 6, I was like, okay, that was good. That's a Scream movie. The more I've watched it over the past week, getting ready to talk to y'all about it, I really love it. Mm-hmm. I really, really love it. I think this movie gets to some themes that um, have been hinted at in the franchise, but hasn't really gone there. And we'll get into that later. But yeah, I think this one's, I might like it better than five. Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. I won't like anyone more than four. Four is <laughs> one for me. I've just said a lot of numbers in the <laughs> <laughs> But um, I'm to throw two and three in there just so they don't feel left out. <laughs> you know what? They exist. Two and, two and three are fine, but I don't like them as much as I like four, five, six, and one. Not necessarily in that order. Mm. Yeah, I I really love this one. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um. So I thought I was going to be alone. Uh. And 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 now I see I'm not. I was a little bit the minority report last week because I was the one who was slightly tepid on five. Uh. I I love six. I I I have yes. several of the same like the things that have been noted that are problems with the film. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with. In fact, I still noted them in my notes. I, I one of the specific ones is I was like, uh, real world logic is something you really have to toss aside for much of this film. Uh, I, yeah. I accept that. I, I agree with that. Um, but I think I have landed on for me watching this franchise through. What connects with me the most about it is when a scream film decides to be character centric. And this is one of the most richly character centric mm-hmm. entries in the entire franchise. Uh, they spend so much, and, and this is a compliment, at least from my perspective, they spend so much good, doesn't waste its time moments, quiet moments where the characters are talking about something that is not the plot. And I just love mm-hmm. it because it endears them more to me. It makes the stakes higher for when some of them get taken out or almost taken out. Um, I do agree that at a certain point, some of these wounds, it just, it, it's impossible that they would have survived these wounds. I mean, just <laughs> impossible. Oh, many um, people stabbed in the stomach. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> many times over. Many times. Many times. Um, and so, so yeah, yes, Chad I, should be dead. Oh, oh he absolutely yeah. should be. He absolutely should be. And, and at the same time, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm glad they didn't take him out. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, it's it. You really pr- pushed the limits with believing that they that he wouldn't be dead. My wife and I have both commented on that when we've seen this film. Was like, man, that guy so would be dead. And <laughs> one thing that I feel like uh, is different between this and five that I would credit more to five. Five had a notable and endearing love for legacy characters. I feel like Gail has a wonderful scene in this movie, a fantastic scene. And aside from what I consider to be a really great set piece 
she's kind of she she's cilantro in this film she's just kind of she isn't super crucial to the to the plot she's not central to to this recipe she's just sort of an additive uh, a garnish if you will with the exception of that one i, I do well, she is the one good. who finds the museum from a plot standpoint she's sure she's a great that, journalist fair she's she is so a, good She's a great journalist. Um, so, but uh, but I do love again. Uh, I love these characters. I love the tone of yes. this movie. Yeah. Um, I think you know if we're just if we're if I'm just rattling down a list of yeah. things that I would just check some boxes for. I think I'll I'll say it. Uh, maybe not too bold a statement. I think this is the best opening sequence since the original. Like in terms of galvanizing, surprising. I'm just like, dang, uh, the choice to have him take off the mask after his. Fr- yeah. I was like. I'm okay. Yeah. We're in new territory, you know. Um, Thompson, what? <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> love, 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 love. That even after that, and he starts getting terrorized and everything. I'm like, oh, you're, you're. I'm already kind of off my my rhythm in terms of predictability. But then at the end, he's like, "We've got to finish the movie." And then the ghost face is like, "Who gives an f about the movies?" You know. I'm like, "Oh right. man, they're really, you know." They, well, I will. To your point there, Reed, one thing I love about that, other than just the inventiveness of that whole set piece, is like, that's a fair tell for identity right there in a way that they don't usually do. Like, who cares about the movie? Yeah. If if that's the cop there. Yeah. And there's reason to think it is, you know, from a character standpoint, I'm I'm validating what you're saying. Like, that's an Mm -hmm. interesting clue to a killer idea. Like, thematically, that, that ties into five, too is this whole idea of like fandom right <laughs> toxic fandom who cares about the movie at the end of the day screw it doesn't yeah. matter yeah like especially like putting a nail in that coffin that the that five was about and so yeah. uh i that was a nice little kind of cap they yeah. do it yeah. with the post credit scene too with um i forget yes. her name <laughs> mindy yeah yeah where <laughs> Damn, gum it. Like, there's a post credit scene it's very have really you never that. have you never seen the post credit scene? No, I read oh, about the last it. thing I saw was, was, the shotgun. Nope. was yeah. talking the shotgun. What'd yeah, you say, yeah. Jackson? So, Jackson, go ahead. Sorry. Post credit scene either. I'm oh, 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 yeah. okay. Vera, take it away. Yeah, Vera. Uh, it's it's very brief. It's just Mindy um pops up on the screen and she's like, Not every movie needs to have a post credit scene, and then it ends. <laughs> <laughs> then it ends. That's yep, fine. It's like the one from Spider Man where Steve Rogers shows up and is like yes yes (laughs) good old steve well let's let's do that reed you you sort of uh um ghostface style kick the door in here on just talking about general likes and whatnot Uh, you know sure y'all let's round robin a little bit speak to um you know just things you appreciate or, or had quibbles with about uh this particular movie one of my absolute favorite things in this movie, and it seems very trivial, but it's something that bothers me in um, movie and TV in general, is that the Halloween costumes were actual recognizable characters mm. as opposed yeah. to just generic mm-hmm. witch right. pirate. <laughs> mm-hmm. You had actual like Midsommar was one of the costumes. You yeah. Had a lot of ghost faces, obviously, but there was like Baba um, There's a, a lot, lot of, of West Craven movies. Yeah, yeah. Pinhead was I on really the... liked that a lot. That made me really happy to see. <laughs> yeah, Pinhead's and on the subway. It's great. Yeah, go ahead, Jane. I, I I saw an interview with the costume designer, and she was very particular about that sequence because she was like, I don't want it to look like a costume designer made these costumes. Mm-hmm. I want it to look like 
just regular people made these. People went and to Spirit Halloween and got their costumes like God intended. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, it has that like, it has that quality to it. Like, it just looks like Halloween. Well, there's a great yeah. Easter egg uh, of on the subway. There's a character dressed like Samara Weaving's character from Ready or Not. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is great. Um, I'll throw a couple on the pile here. One, Reed, you make a good point about the character nature of this particular film, and two things in that spirit that I love a lot is I love the opening. Well, it's it's shortly into it. You know, it's the first major set piece with the our leads uh, with the core four of our crew. You you see this party scene. And just the kind of call goes out and they start closing ranks around um, Tara is her name, right? Mm -hmm. You know, just this protective kind of thing that has been birthed from the experiences of five. Like, I just really love that aspect of that. Uh, And and two, there's a way this movie um, does best in franchise, perhaps, of not just a hard reset on plot and narrative. And what I mean by that is things like um, like that aspect where it's not just now we're just in the Big Apple. Like, is <laughs> is that the only change? No, there's a lot. There's a lot of character work that's happened in the ensuing time. But mm-hmm. I love that something that uh, is sort of real worldy. This this I could see this happening in the real world that Sam gets blamed in social media for the death of Richie and the bedlam in Woodsboro yes. the year prior. Like, I, I kind of love that choice mm-hmm. just because it's like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that that could happen. And now yes. what does it do to that character? You know, and I, I have no clue how they'll continue. They'll follow that in subsequent entries. But, you know, that that it is a new thing for the heroine to be blamed for the, the terror. Um, mm-hmm. you know sydney because i even tried to i even tried to remember each film after watching six this time of like rare to, i couldn't remember a time in one through four where sydney is <clears throat> suggested as possibly maybe a flirting with it in three just because nobody knows right. what the hell they're doing in that movie anyway yes uh, yeah. but but otherwise it never it never mattered to the plot if it happened yeah. at all yeah and i just and love it- that and it's so smart for it to be Sam too, because of course she's Billy Loomis's daughter. You know, so right. it it's it it's not only a clever subversion; it is rooted in established mythology for this character and a natural outgrowth of how people. Oh, you know, she was Billy Loomis. You know, in this fictional world, it it's not unbelievable that people would take that leap. Not just as a wild, outlandish conspiracy theory, but thinking mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, this she's just continuing on. And I do think like for all that I would sort of critique about its real world plot logic, its real world character logic might be the strongest in the franchise for me. What I mean mm-hmm. by that is having a character finally in Terra who actually acts like, no, I just want to leave all that behind me. I just want to pretend that didn't happen. Like yeah. that has never been flirted with in the franchise before. Now people do move on. People do sort of yada, yada, yada what happened. But then every other screen movie, when it happened, they're all like, okay, let's come together in the park or in a home or something and discuss the hins and outs and ups and downs. And I appreciated that Tara is just like, let me live my life. Like, Three days that happened. Yeah, it was a big deal, but just let me live my mm-hmm. life. And that felt real to me. That felt like, yeah, we've never seen a character respond that way. Um, simultaneously, I think Sam remains one of the most interesting characters this entire franchise has given us. She's endlessly fascinating to me. Um, and I, I love 
Mindy and Chad for their tenderness and for their humor and for the ways they counterbalance everything to round out the core four. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I think it's just a really great quad of characters that they could do a, a, a mountain of different things with. And I think that's what because I'm telling you, if I'm looking at the plot of this film, I know a couple people have mentioned it already. I've mentioned it already. But yeah, like, yeah, you can look at it and be like, OK, yeah, this plot falls apart like a house of cards a couple of times when you press on it. But I think, and I think if the character work were less strong, I'd be probably like, you know, passive to this film, but the character work is so strong in this that I'm like, God, I just love watching them do their thing. Um, so, uh, okay, anybody else? Another one. Who else? Yeah. Yeah. Speak. Yeah. Kirby. Kirby's back. <laughs> Kirby. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, we all thought she was dead. And mm-hmm. here she is again. I was so excited okay. when I saw the trailer for this movie and Kirby is there because, you know, not since Randy have we had, you know, the character that really loves these movies. Mm-hmm. And th- I love particularly the scene with her and Mindy. Oh, it's so great. Because so that great. is that is how people <laughs> in the horror community you know, talk to each other. <laughs> we interrogate each other. Like, which one do you like? Which one do you like? <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so pitch perfect. So I, I don't have much to say beyond that. I love that Car- uh, that Kirby is now an FBI agent because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, she wants to catch people that tried to kill her, but I was just so elated. To see Kirby again, that's wonderful. Yeah, like I love Vera, it. any any specific highlights for you? Um, specifically, a very minor dislike because we've talked about how the plot does fall apart at some points. To do with Kirby, um, that really bothered me both times that I watched it was when um, police dad Russell from New Girl. I can't remember anybody's name. Bailey is the character yes Mm -hmm. um when he calls and he's like oh it's kirby she's the killer they suspended her from the fbi two months ago and i'm like uh she still has her badge she still has her gun y'all were in a van tracking the killer and i'm like how (laughs) would she have gotten that if she was suspended from the FBI two months ago, this doesn't make sense. I don't know. I guess I'll <laughs> chalk it up to adrenaline. Maybe that's why you're not actually listening to what he's saying. But like, right. just it doesn't yeah. like it does not make sense that they try and pass her off as the killer at one point. <laughs> sure. Now I now I hate this movie. You know what? <laughs> yeah. it's really, yeah. You know what's really great though, and and um, like I don't remember a killer doing this. I don't remember a killer doing this in in the franchise before, but. I think a couple of us have mentioned like, oh, we called the we called the killer who the killer was like early on. Right. I just love it that the film is smart enough to know it hasn't baked in too well, because when he is outed as the killer, what is his reaction? His reaction is like, of course, me. <laughs> like that's what, he's, <laughs> yeah. that's what he's, You know, like when he's finally unveiled as the killer, I just love that reaction because I don't think any other killer, tr- every other killer treated it like, ooh, got you, didn't I? And Bailey is just like, of course, me. <laughs> like, yeah. welcome to the rest of the plot. <laughs> it's specifically when, when he brings in the sisters and talks to them about their whereabouts mm-hmm. when, mm-hmm. um, 
the film students are killed. And um, Sam says she's at her therapist and then the therapist gets murdered. And I'm like, okay, well, it's obviously the police officer. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Did you also call um, uh, Ethan and uh, God, what is her name? Quinn? Quinn. Quinn. So uh, like they they did a fake out with Quinn, um, Mm -hmm. but they didn't show her dying. Right. They just like show her in the photograph and getting thrown to the floor. Right. Um, but then I did call Ethan in the subway. I was like, oh, for sure it's Ethan. And then, um, when the debt, when I was like, oh, it's the dad. And then I was like, oh, then the daughter's probably in on it. And then she died. And then it was Ethan. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then it showed, I was like, oh, there's three killers. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, it's any other- weird. Like, so- um, just a second. I, uh-huh. you know, this is my favorite franchise. Go for it. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> calling yeah, it down. Yeah. I'm saying go have for it. it. Have it. I'm saying like, I have given up on trying to guess the killers at this point. Mm. Mm. You know, I've been watching these movies for over 20 years. I don't even care who the killers are. What matters <laughs> is why are they doing it? Mm. Yeah. 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 And we can get well, into but, that. But I like I'm detective like, stuff. Yeah. I like to do. I like to figure out the who done it. That's yeah, it's, actually, it's still fun yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. and I would actually say that six <laughs> has my least favorite reason for doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my son, it's the same as two. It's the same child. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It really is. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, and and speaking of that, Nathan, I know you're itching to say something, but I just want to get this out of the way. No, yeah, just um, <laughs> keep it. This in. one, this one, uh, <laughs> has a lot of I, I again called out hung a lantern on the fact that scream five called back to scream one so much but in so many similar beats that it took me out of the film it kept making me think about scream 1996 whereas this one i was more appreciative of what it did scream two Mm -hmm. is all over this they're in college they have the van scene the the climax takes place in a theater you know like that they they are doing all of these different things you just called out the killer is the parent of the earlier film so scream 2 is all over it but it doesn't call it out beat for beat it's just there the Mm -hmm. dots are connected the tethers are there but it doesn't just repeat the same stylistic choice which is why i think i appreciated scream 6 more nathan it's the last jedi oh yeah the last jedi Oh, you just lost Nathan. Well, um, no, he didn't. He just, <laughs> no, Jackson could never lose my love. Um, the Last Jedi calls back to Empire Strikes Back left and right. Yes, sir. It's a complete mm-hmm. inversion. We can talk mm-hmm. about it. Ray in the cave is Luke in the cave. You know, the Hoth ice planet is the red salt planet. You know, come on. It's all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know if my life is just full or I'm just dumb. It's possible <laughs> it's both. But I just, I, you know, Reed, you, you didn't, you didn't, and I'm, I'm proud of you. And so I'm, I'm going to affirm you and also, you know, bring it up here. You didn't in our conversation on five talk about how one of your struggles with that, or if you did, it wasn't real direct or blatant, uh, was being able to call it. And, and Vera's talking about being able to call it here. I don't, I, I think part of me and, and, you know, y'all watch these things more active brained than I do. <clears throat> I think I just sort of subconsciously know they're going to tell me, um, <laughs> I don't really actively wonder That's who fair. it is. Um, you know, and so, and so what I will give credit to on five and six, whether it's obvious who the killer ends up being or not, I care less. Um, I mentioned this with screen three conversation. It feels like 
Scream 3, the shape of Scream 3 is a Frankenstein monster who the, the last act is the head mm. uh, stitched on it. Like, mm. like mm -hmm. there is such a clear delineation between body of text and we did this in a in a closed studio set somewhere. Right, right. And meaning they also, you know, none of the actors knew any of this. Scream 5 and 6, call it or not, I feel like the scenes are far less visible uh, from beginning to end about... Hey, by the way, nobody knows, and it could be anybody. Like, I just don't, I don't feel it in that way. Um, I had a, oh, we're talking about some like stuff, some possible dislike stuff, but I want to shout out, we were talking about the cast, the actor, Josh Segura. I'm not positive. I'm getting his last name right, but he plays a uh, hot neighbor, right? Mm. Love um, him. He's yes. Yeah. I loved yeah. him on she Hulk. like a hot potato in this movie. Well, <laughs> but this is what I'm actually complimenting the movie a little bit on one. He, he's, he's just, he's a handsome dude, but he's also just like really charismatic and doesn't have to do a whole lot to, to do that. Um, and he's good. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like and, and just, genuinely I, a good person. Yes. Yes. And he just kind of love his um, use in the film. Like, yeah, he, he's kind of the, reverse um you know hot girlfriend sort of set piece set decoration mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. except they're the, except the movie makers the filmmakers are smart and so don't just completely relegate him to that so really love him and y'all i read i don't think currently we're planning to make a best scenes of the franchise so i'll throw this in here the subway scene in this movie is one of the best scenes in the entire franchise awesome. it is so good yeah. top yeah. to bottom uh like it is expertly shot it is expertly edited uh it is tense it's suspenseful like you really don't know exactly what's going to happen here right. i never wanted mindy to die i kind of hated that she did survive it in the moment right just because it is <laughs> such a terrible yeah. sequence but but fitting um mm. you know so I, I love that scene so if we're just talking about things we enjoy that that scene and boyfriend in I that know. scene, like very subtly when the ghost face is like walking towards like steps in front of them. Like very, love it. Love it. It's good. To yeah, me. it's great. And because it's such a comes back. This is the kind of, this is the those are the kind of what you just called out, Vera. Those are the kind of touches that I appreciate so much about this movie because it indicates a thoughtfulness. That is yeah. what a protective person who genuinely cares about her and is in the situation. That's that's what they would do. They would be like, OK, look, I don't know what's about to happen here, but you're not getting her and they don't they don't have to like spotlight it or anything it just happens nope. mm -hmm. you might have missed it but it's there if you didn't and i love the thoughtfulness of that kind of choice it endears that all the more to me mm -hmm. um and at the end so, yeah, when everybody like comes into the theater with the cops and everything who's the first person it's danny i love yeah. that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. he's great like, okay blake yeah go ahead blake, what, so so I, I think I agree with a lot of what you are saying about the characters in this movie and the really kind of character driven moments. Um, mm -hmm. My biggest problem with really all the screen movies, but I feel like they're doubling down with five and six and maybe four, like I said, don't remember it well enough is that it's almost too ironic. So I can't actually even enjoy the touching moments because I feel like on some level they're commenting on something. Uh, and they're saying, oh, hey, look, we're doing this instead of this. And man, it's it's the trouble with, with the whole idea of meta narrative uh, and, mm -hmm. and this whole concept of commenting on a thing because it's full of tropes that we all know really well. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's that like you 
it's really hard to have your cake and eat it too, uh, to have that cleverness and kind of that whole kind of ironic twist and yet be touching um, sure. at the same time. And it's a really hard needle to thread and I'm not sure they pull it off. At least I never felt like I could fully enjoy the characters because I, think, I always felt like they were being commented on. I think so, on one level, I I sort of understand what you're saying and agree with you. On another level, just friend to friend, like let me encourage you to just let your cynical heart be open to, to love. <laughs> and to, <laughs> um, but no, I actually do kind of understand what you're saying. But yeah. um uh i i can't i can't get rid of i can't uh uh stop talking about hot neighbor and one of his best scenes in the movie is uh when he don't says, trust anyone the ladder yes yes don't trust says, anyone both of those but the one i'm referring to is blake when he's parting ways with sam don't trust anyone your friends me anyone i was like dude yeah. come on Aww. that's a keeper mm-hmm. right yeah. there you yeah. know as long yeah, as he's great. not wearing the mask by the end of it he's a keeper yeah yeah, um, yeah. he's he's so and, good he's so and good. i do want to say that one of my favorite things about the the especially five and six is that sam is 10 times better than nev campbell um Blasphemer. I said it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, lest we forget. <laughs> because we Got are you like a fish. Tiptoeing <laughs> into some Rocky Waters. We are, everyone, a horror show. So if, if it's gory, if it's gross, if it offends Jackson's sensibilities, uh, if it causes you a fright, it's time for the part of the show that we call That Ain't Right. <laughs> That sure as hell ain't right. That was awesome. That was awesome. Oh, okay. We're in that ain't right. I'm gonna I'm gonna jaw style call on some guests here to identify your top most that ain't right. There's a chance there's 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 some that ain't rights in this movie. So who knows? Maybe we'll do two rounds of this. But uh Vera, I am going to start with you. What is a top that ain't right for you? Uh I'm gonna go with the latter scene. Because mm. of how mm. harrowing it is, and poor Annika. I don't know why this character is the only character name I remember, but um, <laughs> yeah, it just, it just when neighbor Danny like he puts the ladder cl- across, I'm just like, oh no, no, no! I'm not scared yeah. of heights, but I am in this moment. And everybody going across, I'm like, you know, Ghostface is going to get in, and poor Annika's already been stabbed in the stomach, as we mentioned, a lot of people yep. are. And she's crawling and you know, she's not going to survive because she's the last person, but like, then she falls and she hits her head on the dumpster and it's just awful. Mm. Well, you, you kind of rolled right past it there. It's the dump dumpster hit. That's the worst. Yeah. It's it's like they said, the ladder is stressful. And are you scared of heights? Are you scared of, are you scared of heights? Watch this young girl get shook up and down on the ladder. And then she falls off and you're like, oh God. And, but, but then you start to, yeah, oh, it like, is what it is. And then her face slams off the then... dumpster. Yeah. That was Ladders terrible. are terrifying. Just so <laughs> the you dumpsters know. are fine. <laughs> dumpsters are okay. But ladders <laughs> are terrifying. <laughs> I hate ladders. Oh, I really man. do. <laughs> Bruce Jackson, you're, you're talking. What's your that ain't right? Okay. So this is less um, visceral and more conceptual. Uh, for one thing, 
you know, we talked about Samara weaving a little bit and mm -hmm. the opening and how great it is, but the line that really disturbed me is when um, Jason is on the phone with Ghostface. He thinks it's Greg, but he says, I just kept stabbing her and then she was just neat. Yeah. Oh, yes. What? <laughs> what a horrible thing to think mm -hmm. of another person. I, you know, and I'm not somebody that's like perfect. I, I've had hateful thoughts towards others, but that is nobody is just meat. Mm. And for somebody to think that, you know, after they just killed them in yeah. a very brutal way, like, I don't even know what to do with that. But it yeah. seems realistic in a way, you know, the people that go out and commit these heinous acts of violence. I think that's what they feel. Hmm. Well, to, to, I don't know, know but just one, one reason I think that's so strong, that scene and, and read you, you know, I'll keep using your words in your favor here. You talked about the character aspects of this film. Mm -hmm. Like one thing we've never gotten in this franchise is a ghost face killer psychoanalyzing themselves, you know, right. like what you typically just get is now's the grand reveal and motive, you know, like mm -hmm. that's the, that's yeah. the kind of Barnum and Bailey aspect of it. Uh, that what's powerful about that scene is it's the first time in, you know, 25 years of movie making and six films across where someone's actually commenting on what they've done. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's what makes to me makes that particularly uh, kind of a harrowing scene. Um, Thank you for that. Blake, what about you, sir? What's a that ain't right for you? Uh, I think, I think mine is, is less uh, like a killing or any kind of goriness or anything like that, but them doing my, my boy Henry Zerny wrong by not giving him hardly anything to work with and then <laughs> yeah. killing him. Uh, I this? mean, come on guys. The psychiatrist. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Come on. Yeah. That was, rough. Come on. That was a wicked so, kill too. So yeah, rough. So rough. And I'll actually, so I'm going to piggyback on his, uh, that ain't right. Cause my number one was, it was Jackson's to a T was the, the description that Jason gives of, of killing her. But my number two, uh, wasn't quite the same as what Blake did, uh, about just the misuse of the actor, but taking the moment seriously, the psychiatrist pressing her after six months for details or details, as he said, and um, <laughs> then like completely abandoning her. Like in yeah. that moment, I was just like, come on, man, like you're a professional. Like what in the world? Like you're just, you're completely, because she was asking for help. She wasn't threatening or intimidating. He just freaked right. out. And I was, I was like, that ain't, that ain't right. Like, and it's not, on. and that's not terribly realistic either. No, it's oh, not. No, no, no. No. Um, I mean, I mean, they are absolutely, I, I would imagine I'm not in therapy, uh, as, uh, on either side of the spectrum at the moment, but I would imagine they are prepared for people to, ex mm -hmm. to express violent thoughts or express violence having happened to them. And yeah. it should be. I would imagine it is standard part of their professional training to recognize how to deal with those moments. So it rang very false about that. It's one of the few moments that did for me. This I'm just is like, the guy that goes home from work and puts on Jason takes Manhattan though. So, right. Yeah. Hey, exactly. that what hey, That's what he's movie. watching. Don't be, yeah. don't be giving me back for Nev Campbell by, by <laughs> disgracing that movie. 
<laughs> well, you know, Reed. Kind Blake, of you're the- dead to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> am I dead meat? It's getting real. Wow. Yes. It's getting real. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Tulsa to Florida. That's kind of a drive there, Jackson. <laughs> but, um, you know, Reed, to your point, I do think though that the casting of that guy, you know, he's known to be kind of a skeezy you know, kind mm-hmm. of player. And so, so I, I don't know, I, I kind of read it as almost like this may be an over reading of the scene, but of that casting choices, he got, he got what he was after by having attractive Sam as his client. And now she's scaring him and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. now we're off, off doing something else. Um, sure, it is a scream movie. So that reading is completely plausible. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would agree. <laughs> yes. I would thank agree. you. Thank you for the affirmation, Blake. Um, uh, I, I, for me personally, um, if I'm going to pick one that hasn't already been picked, uh, it is, uh, in the final sequence when Tara has fallen from the balcony mm. and Ethan has been kind of the, the sort of, you know, aw shucks, nerdy, don't look over here character the whole time reveals himself to be a total toad and uh little jenna ortega you know he's got to be crouched down so that she could actually reach his head you know <laughs> for this moment um takes She's this knife size. right right pocket size <laughs> ortega um takes this knife and slams it into his throat like into his mouth mm. through his throat and the scene like that's bad enough but then the scene just holds yeah and you're like, make it stop. <laughs> and then she twists. And you're like, yeah. you know, <laughs> that ain't right. Um, oh you know, God. and then she's got a great kill line there. But uh, nonetheless, the act itself. Um, so that would be mine. Any, any, any holdovers anyone wants to shout out from their that ain't right list? None for me. No, no. Why, why did they have to kill Dewey in five? <laughs> I know, man. We still aren't over it. We still are. <laughs> that actually is one of the reasons I, I don't love that Gail survives this. It doesn't, it kind of narratively, it doesn't make it, not only does it just logically not make much sense, you know, but, but two, it's time. It's time to start kind of doing this. Uh, they did it real explicitly and, and foregrounded Dewey. Like it kind of made sense. You'd expect that. And, and not even that, but I hate that if I'm, okay, here's a meta that ain't right. My meta that ain't right is it's like, Gail survived too, you know, just kind of like (laughs) just some ADR at the end. I'm like, oh, it it feels like Courtney Cox was like, I'll return, but you can't kill me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's a producer on the movie. There you go. Okay. So I did think of one more. Yeah. I did think of one more. Okay. Um, I, I do believe they show him in this one. I I'm getting five and six confused. So tell me if I'm just completely off base here, but (laughs) Uh, Ski Ulrich looks insanely terrifying in this <laughs> as the uh, as the background dad. Yeah, the Phantom yeah. Loomis. The Phantom yeah. Loomis. I thought it was full CGI, and then I looked it up. Oh no, it's actually him. They just aged him down. I was like, that's terrifying. <laughs> and he's one, not he's in just it. a reflection, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 He's yeah. significantly more prominent in five, but um. I do. I will mention just one thing, Nathan, like it's not a hard disagreement, but I liked that Gail survived only because if she hadn't, it would have felt to me like they're just sort of moving chess pieces out of the way. And I would have liked that. I don't (laughs) I don't want 
I will say, and you know, we'll we'll talk more about our thoughts on what seven could be or should be uh, on on the epilogue. But I don't want uh, her to just be back as Garnish next time around. It would not bother me if Gail Weathers, the character, survives this world but does not return for a Scream film. That would not bother yes. me. Um, but because so, I don't want her to just keep you know coming back. But I did kind of like. I kind of liked the as as cheesy i will call it out as cheesy and corny and whatever other you know vegetable or dairy product you want to use but um i uh when she says tell sydney he didn't get me like i That's liked great. that moment yeah, yeah i yeah. liked that moment and and that would not have meant as much if she did actually die from her well succumb and, to her wounds and to be fair i actually wasn't saying and it's possible I'm backtracking on myself accidentally here. I wasn't <laughs> suggesting I'm inviting that. And I really want that to happen. I'm simply saying mm. that again, a bunch of characters get utter gut wounds in this that should kill them uh, sometimes multiple right. times over. And so, you know, that scene, they, they end the scene with, Oh, we've got a weak pulse. You know, that's fine. I, what I found dumb was not so much that she survives necessarily. It's the, uh, very clear wrap up at the end of like, sure. oh, we forgot about Gail. Uh, let's throw some <laughs> voiceover ADR on here to just signal that she's she's okay, everybody. Don't worry. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, that, see, that's all. I'm sort of. I never liked Gail from Scream One on, so mm. I was well, like, I, I I had no feeling for anything about that character, so I was like, before hey. a fight breaks out, did you squirm? <laughs> did you wince? <laughs> did you squint your eyes real tight? It was probably because of what we round here call that ain't right. That sure as hell ain't right. I have I to mention one. Like I'm not a huge Courtney Cox fan. Go Gail ahead. is <laughs> an objectively terrible person that I have a tremendous affection for. <laughs> Before we get to themes, I just have to point out, uh, maybe all four of you will appreciate this because of the jokiness it got at the Halloween kills conversation. Nathan and Blake will definitely ap uh, appreciate this. You do know you did catch that the people in the subway as they're walking down chant four times by my count, maybe more evil dies tonight. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. I did not yes. catch that. Mm -hmm. yes. I, I did yeah. not. Yes. That's hilarious. When okay. they're when they're right before the subway scene, people walking down. I heard one person say it where it sounded like everything sort of quieted down so that they could say, Evil dies tonight. But then a crowd of people yeah. chanted That's like funny. three times after that. Yeah. That's so so what's so funny is whenever Jackson, you were you were describing how much you kind of grew to love this one. Um, this one felt like hearing you talk about it and your kind of growing love for it was kind of like me and Halloween kills. I recognize all yeah. of its mm. and all of its failures. Yeah, I absolutely adore that film. I have and a soft spot too. But yeah. goodness, I love that film. We <laughs> so, all yeah. gotta have a that guy around, Blake. <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite. Uh, we we still have Ghostface kills to get to. We still have you know our fog meter and everything like that. But 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 breathing a moment on what this film has on its mind, and I think there is a, there is a bit here. I'm gonna invite. Uh, basically any of our three guests who are eager enough to want to jump in with something they've got on their mind, uh, the things that makes you think about thematic considerations that bubble up to the surface. If any of you have something at the forefront, feel the freedom. If not, I have a couple of things I can jump in. Jackson, 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 <laughs> Jackson, you go. Jackson yeah. shares yeah. tonight. Okay. Jackson <laughs> shares tonight. <laughs> so this movie more than any of the other Scream movies 
is about family. Mm. And okay, this is <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's right. True. But like, it's something I've thought about a lot lately because uh, spoilers, I have a podcast coming out soon that I Yay! do with my mom where we talk about family movies. Uh, and three of y'all have been on it. But <laughs> excuse me. You know, you <laughs> The battle lines are clearly drawn, Blake. (laughs) I said, you're dead to me. (laughs) It's done. I thought you said, you're dad to me. And I was like, Mm. this is awkward. Let the man man finish his sentence. We're born like the same year, probably. (laughs) So, um, but no, I was actually talking to my mom today. And I was like, I'm going to be on the fear of God tonight. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Scream 6. Oh. I said, but wait, <laughs> this movie is about family. And she was like, oh, really? Because my mom doesn't watch horror movies. <laughs> but, like, the core four, we haven't really talked about them as a group. But the scene where Chad comes up with the name, the core four, is so beautiful. It's a wonderful It is scene. such a beautiful yeah. picture of the way that friendship can over time become family. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's all about shared trauma, but it's just a shared experience. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know any of y'all that well. I've met, I've met uh, Nathan and Vera. I've never met you, Reed or Blake. Um, but Nathan and I, spent a lot of time together last Christmas mm-hmm. doing Nathan's show. And we've been on the, you know, we've talked on the podcast a lot, but the more I get to know you, the more I understand your experience, the more I get to know your family, you become family to me. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is with these characters. And that's what just absolutely wrecks me because none of the other Scream movies do this. Like, there's always the the big three. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. But yeah. But like, think about Scream Two. Like, it's Sydney, and she's at college, and everybody around her is new and unknown to her. This is the first time we've had four characters, and I am so apprehensive about watching them die. Yeah. In future installments, because I love them. I love them like they were my own Mm -hmm. because Sam loves them and Tara loves them. You know, Chad and Mindy, I, I, it's a little hard to talk about because, uh, I don't really know what profound things to unpack about it, but it's there. It's absolutely there. I'll 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 take that baton if you don't mind. Uh, I, there's a yeah. very strong reality to the chosen family concept, mm-hmm. um, and that can manifest itself in a number of different ways. It can manifest itself by you know friendships that have developed uh, by proximity because you are around each other all the time, either from mm-hmm. work or social settings or church or whatever gathering brings a bunch of people together that continually sort of develop their relationship over time. 
Um, but then there's also a chosen family that can happen across miles where you yeah. really aren't in the same physical space very often, but there's mm-hmm. intimate thoughts shared, mutual appreciation and respect. And I think there is a, a tremendous value that this film illustrates very effectively for me about the concept of chosen family. And I like that this film doesn't just dig in on the trauma. I love that we have at least two scenes. Uh, there may be more, but I'm remembering two scenes both in proximity to each other, but when he comes up with the core four name, but then an extension of that, I love when they're sitting around the dinner table and they're, and they're having a very, I loved uh, when Tara sat down, Tara is a jerk to Sam for a good chunk of the first half of this movie. And then she sits down and I, I didn't write down exactly what she says, but she basically says, none of us are going through what you're going through and Mm -hmm. taking a breath to have that, acknowledgement you know like hey we all we all are going through this but none of us are going through what you're going through and then extending out of that where they share a quiet moment and then she's like i've been sleeping with a guy across the hall and then they have this they have this fun little like i knew it you know like it's just again and you get to see tara smile which doesn't happen much yes yeah yeah. but i but i appreciated so much that this film does not and not saying any of the other screams did this, but it doesn't just stop by saying, oh, we experienced this together in Woodsboro. We're the core four. It shows us why they are. It shows us why mm-hmm. they bond. It shows us why they play off of each other really well. They yeah. are also not for nothing distinct characters. Sam does not speak the way Mindy does. Mindy does not speak wow. the way Tara does. They are distinct characters from each other. Um, and mm-hmm. that is hard to pull off from a scripting perspective, but I think this film does it very effectively. And I think it's really meaningful. There's a whole bunch of people, a lot of people who navigate their life uh, very alone. If I appreciate Gail's presence in this, though, I don't think the film does much with it. She does have a nice moment where she's talking with Tara and you can tell she's talking about Dewey. And if you couldn't tell she's talking about Dewey, the score kicks in with Dewey's theme to remind you that she's talking about Dewey. But, But she's talking about Dewey and talking about that loner idea. And, you know, it is a contrast to she's kind of alone. She's friends with Sydney, friends with her, kind of, and they right. have this shared history, but you don't get the vibe of a tremendous amount of intimacy there um, versus the core four. And when Chad survives, I mean, they just hang a lantern on it. She, they're like, how are you alive? And he's just like, <laughs> he just holds them. He's like, I'm alive because it's core four. Like, like well, so, if, I, if I can jump in there, I think what y'all are both identifying that. I've 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 mentioned it explicitly and you know subtly over the course of Scream Aween that my affection for '96 is rooted in life experience less than loving the film itself for itself, uh, and two and three being these oddities to me. Whereas high affection for five and six and retroactive high affection for four. But one of the things that I think for me that happens in one through three, definitely arguably one through four, four does a better job of this. Dewey, Gale, Sydney aren't friends in text. Mm, yeah. No, like, right. Every movie is them. Uh, the shared history happens off screen and, and right. we're left to mm-hmm. pick them up where they're now con- in conflict with each other again. And 
arguably, mm, strong statement here, arguably they're not great characters because of that. Um, mm. They are kind of ciphers one movie to the next. I think, I hope this isn't a sexist comment. I think the way I read them, uh, Arquette shows the strongest nuance and subtlety to his performance over time. But the strength of, of this generation is you're experiencing their experiences along with them and thus mm -hmm. kind of sharing in that collective pain and joy, you know, mm -hmm. whereas in the previous films, it didn't. Does that make sense? Like, I, I just look at those that first crop of films and they exist as scary movies to put characters through, um, mm -hmm. whereas these largely, even if some of the plot mechanics sometimes get foregrounded in in sometimes clunky ways largely are about you journeying with this group that that you're kind of a part of you know that's yeah. sort of the brilliance mm. of these these two entries is you know we're all older than the target market here necessarily in terms of you know kind of young teen early or old teen early 20 type scenario but you know being able to journey with them through this stuff um is is a different paradigm than what had existed uh to me as as i sort of observed these films I definitely I mean, agree. No, uh, you go ahead. No, you, Blake. I've talked to you. I, I, was, I was just going to make a, a stupid comment. Don't worry about it. Go ahead. <laughs> no, make your stupid make comment. Make your stupid comment. <laughs> I was going to say, de definitely teens and 20-somethings are, are thinking about family when they see this movie, for sure. <laughs> well, I wasn't saying that. that. I was that's saying how about you can, the experience that, that, of them. You know, no, that's what I was actually more saying that that's what someone and not in the demographic is going to bring to a movie like this. Yeah. Sure. Which is a which is a fair <laughs> point, and I, honestly, I think the only thing that I would disagree. I mean, not not to start a debate or anything. I do think distinctly that Sydney Gale and Dewey are strong characters, and the reason I think they're strong characters right. is because you are able to sort of really track a consistency of their reactions to things over time. Where I will agree with you mm -hmm. is I do agree with you that the films don't always service their relationships well the, yes. the the strongest asterisk to that is i'm going to point to that gail and dewey scene in scream five yes. one of the one of the best scenes mm -hmm. in that thing and and that mm -hmm. indicates to me like that that of, of course it was drawing on the rich history of courtney cox and david arquette themselves they are professional enough to be in a scene together talking mm -hmm. about things that they all went through in their real life but but leveraging that to really amp up the scene, but still like that scene is really great. Um, and I do feel like previously what I, what connected for me, Nathan, that I do think you're absolutely right about is these characters are brought together by Ghostface in scream two, three, you know, they're, they're just brought together in that sense. You know, um, Sydney went to college with Randy, but the the rest of them, they're just brought together otherwise, except for the relationship with Gail and Dewey. Um, but even then, like when we meet them, they're very often like broken up or on the rocks or something. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Whereas this carries our characters together. It's another thing that I love about that opening party scene, like where we see them all yes. just doing their thing. They're around. I love that we know there's a threat but long before they do, but we just get to spend some time with them you know, testing the boundaries of flirtation and and just living their life in their in their college setting um, that I really appreciate about that. But I think again, getting getting back to I, I there's a whole mess that we could go down. I actually find it less interesting to me than the family things we're talking about. 
I mean, we could go down the whole line about um, the 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 conspiracy theory leverage and and how Sam is the the inversion and how they really think that she's responsible for it and all all of those kinds of things. But I think man, no one wants to talk about that. That's the that's the right. <laughs> no, but that's yes, it's too close to home. It's too close to home. Um, but the I think that um, it's it's less interesting to me, and it's why I'm bringing it up. Even something like that, that's a little bit more overt, is less interesting to me than this really substantive kind of familial vibe that they've created around they put in a simple way this film earns the cheesy nickname core four it totally earns it yeah go ahead vera yeah um i i also find that this part of the theme more interesting than the conspiracy theory stuff but it does very maybe loosely tie in together Mm. when um quinn says how easy was it to turn the hero of woodsboro into the villain how easy it was to convince the world to believe the worst in people and then ethan mm-hmm. says it's not enough to kill someone these days you have to assassinate their character first right which is it goes yeah. into that whole online thing um cancel culture victim blaming blah 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 but i think that where the family and and the core four friendship ties into that is that sam realizes by the end of the movie that she cannot change the way other people perceive her they're going to think what they think regardless but she can control what kind of person she is and she demonstrates that when she um tosses the ghost face mask on the ground at the end yeah um and rallies her friend group and her family around her and they start listening to one another and giving into the needs of one another, right? Absolutely. Sam wants Tara to go to therapy at the beginning of the movie. And at the end of the movie, Tara relents and she agrees to go to therapy. And Tara wants some space from Sam. And Sam agrees to give that to her and let her live her life and not let those three days in Woodsboro define her for the rest of her life. Yeah. And so there's some give and take that shows um, how strong they've come or how how much stronger they've come going through all of this absolutely and and one uh, additional note yes ending you on i love when she's hovering over the balcony i don't remember another version of scream that does this but when sam is trying to hold on to tara and she says you've got to let me go it has a practical yeah yeah, it has a practical uh application but also it's rooted in things we've been tracking with those characters so it's a payoff both plot wise for the moment and character wise, which again, let me go. Yeah. Yeah. This film film's really smart for that. Blake. I'm actually going to build on to what Vera was saying as well is that I think it's actually even less about what she can control and and, and who she's going to be and more about being around the people that know who she actually is. Um, And that's why the core four is actually pretty brilliant. I actually think that that's the most honest part of the movie um, is the creation of that name because (laughs) I've been on that end of things where I, I say something really stupid, but it ends up kind of becoming a thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I think that's a really honest moment. I think that shows in that moment thematically that at the end of the day, like the world can think you're a piece of shit. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> um, but if you have a, a group of people, a family, whether it's, you know, biological or, or made, who know who you actually are it doesn't matter like yeah. that's that's the beauty of family that's what yeah 
family and community is about is knowing who you truly are, regardless of what the world says about you. So, yeah. yeah. Which I find that, find that beautiful. Go ahead, Nathan. No, no. I was just going to say, I I find that beautiful. I, I, knowing there's some passionate scream heads here, I was going to generally give way for (laughs) what has turned into a lovely conversation. I, I think Blake, something you just said kind of pointed to, something that I thought about a lot with this particular film. And I think I thought about it because the strength of the core four conceit is so intact. It's that I think, and again, I'll be curious to test this against, you know, whatever the third installment for this particular cast is. But I think something that's interesting to me that I thought about a lot on this viewing was the, the challenge of trust and, and how, um, you know, the, the, the danger of movie of these of this franchise uh, um the the cool aspect of it is anyone can be ghostface the kind of dangerous aspect of it is you can start to abuse that and then as a viewer i don't really kind of know exactly if the rules make sense or you know if if you've earned whatever you, you're doing here but the in-text problem that that presents is is that literally you know if if the motivation is clearly defined enough one of your besties can suddenly turn on you you know, mm. and, mm. and what really struck me this time watching it was the, uh, I, I am declaring this as a real life virtue, even if the movie only kind of points to it is just how hard it is to truly trust others with ourselves. Mm. Uh, yeah. and, and yet how necessary that is for healthy living. Um, you know, for specific reasons that don't totally matter to this moment, uh, or at least for public consumption, like I participated recently, I, I, I attended a zoom call of a, um, we, we have in our life, um, folk who have struggled with substance abuse and as someone who is kind of in the inner circle of this person's life, I attended a zoom call of a sort of lecture about uh substance abuse and mental health and these mm. sort of coexisting things and how they feed and feed off and feed on and consume each other and it was just this really kind of beautiful <laughs> confessionally i went into it kind of like begrudging you know like i don't know if i've got time for this thing like it's a, it was on a friday night it was three hours <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a chunk of time. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And and I got to be honest. At the end of it, I was like, I'm so thankful I did this. Um, mm-hmm. Not just because of the the sort of help it might be able to provide this person in our lives, but also just because how helpful it was just to me to like kind of hear certain truths and and be reminded of the the humanity of us and how you know these beautiful things of you know um, we are rarely. I would have to look at my notes to quote these things accurately, but we are, we are rarely in our right heads and in our right hearts for, and, and in the ways we act towards others that are harmful. Right. And, and this whole three hour session, one of its through lines, in addition to, you know, the American healthcare system and, you know, the problems of social media and, and its impact on mental health and the problems of substance abuse and its impacts on mental health and how deeply entwined in the, in the midst of all of these things was this very clear thread of the need for people, the need mm-hmm. for contact, the need for, mm-hmm. you know, 
things like this yes but even just community and 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 anyway so it's perhaps against that backdrop when i watched scream six that these things were operating subconsciously on me of just like yeah because here's here is here is the truth of life is (laughs) is even if the person next to you turns out to be a ghost face you still have to with certain caveats to that have to be able to trust them if they're in your life right we're talking about proximity i'm not talking about random person out in the world these movies use occasionally random person out in the world as the ghost face i'm using the metaphor of the the obscured assailant right the obscured the unknown person that you know and 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 so what i'm getting to is simply like the fact that your nearest and dearest could turn on you doesn't remove from you the necessity to be a, the best human you can be by still investing yourself in them. And that yeah. is a perilous and dangerous way to live. But the opposite end of it is isolation, uh, loneliness, uh, uh, you know, uh, substance abuse, uh, mental health spiral. You know, what I'm, if, if I'm making sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. We like, I think the amen. last three years yeah. have shown us that, the proximity to people <laughs> and relationship and being around others is really important. Yeah. Not just yeah. important. Necessary. Essential. Essential. Yeah. Yes. yes. Essential. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And yet, well, and yet hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and especially these days. Yeah. Build on what you're saying, Nathan. Um I think I think actually if if Scream Seven is going to be not just solid or good or a great even it's going to be an exceptional cap to a trilogy it needs to answer the central question of a uh, hot guy next door uh <laughs> trust no one including me yeah only in a world of of, of ghost face is that a a good logic to live by amen and amen. And, and the real question that i think five and six have done a really good job at kind of teasing and maybe not maybe they don't know it is what does it look like to trust in a world of ghost face? Yes. Um, yeah. And I think an exceptional cap to this trilogy would be finding an answer to that question. Cause I think that is essential question in this small little part of the screen universe. Um, because like you said, if your best friend or your, you know, family turns out to be ghost face. Like, how do you love that person in that moment? Like, what does, what is that? Like, we still have to trust them because yeah. we know them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, well, on the slight, the slight inversion I'd make to that, the slight tweak I'd make to that isn't, yeah. I would say, and I, I know you're not necessarily saying this, yeah. I'm not saying once they re- are revealed to be ghost face, you still yeah, yeah, them your yeah. allegiance. At any point, I'm saying at any point. we can't. Yeah let the fact that anyone could be quote unquote ghost face exactly, yeah, yeah. the, the need to to be trusting and, mm-hmm. and operate as whole people in the world did you guys because, catch uh, oh you go ahead quinn i was, I was just gonna say the hot hot guy's advice is really great for the screen movies sure not good living advice. <laughs> <Right>. no, no. <laughs> yeah um i made a, a a verbal error there and accidentally called blake quinn because did y'all catch before the quinn reveal this is where my brain was at uh sam is standing there she's already seen that it's bailey she's already seen that it's ethan and then before quinn takes off her mask she goes mindy like mindy 
Yeah. yeah. She she asks if it's if it's Mindy. Um, and my heart just like, oh my gosh, you know, because Mindy was separated yeah. from them and mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. And then she knows Mindy was with Ethan and everything. And it's just, I do think these. Uh, you could be completely right, Blake. Uh, that the film does not realize everything that it is dancing with as it explores that subject. But it has been fascinating to me. We've only done this twice now, the Halloween franchise and the Scream franchise. And I love making a run through them all, all of the films in it because of the things that bubble up to the surface. And one that has continued to bubble up in the Scream franchise is the explorations of trust and distrust that has continued to sort of come up in small ways about the way these films often accidentally play with that and uh, play with character choices within that arena of like, well, who can we trust? What can we trust? And what are the consequences of distrust or trust uh, in those arenas? And I do think if, if, if the next film, or I think this franchise is uniquely suited to be able to explore that with a lot more intention than it has yet in six installments. Um, I agree with that. Um, we still have our kills to get to. Uh, so, Nathan, Nathan yes. you want to you wanna yeah, bring us down? There's a lot in this. If we're done <laughs> yeah. with the deaths. So many kills. Uh, <clears throat> so much stabbiness. Um, all right. So, as part of Screamoween, we are assembling the uh, Ghost Face Kills Hall of Fame, where for each film, I will rattle off our candidates. You get to select one to submit to the Goblet of Fire. Uh, on the uh, uh, Screamoween epilogue, Reed and I will assemble uh, our top 10 ghost face kills across the Scream franchise. Now, before, friends and foggers, I start uh, listing your candidates here. So, uh, Reed doesn't know I'm going to do this. I'm We've we've flirted with this concept across Screamoween. I am going to here formally submit a wild card proposal for uh ghostface kills for scream six um i am going to ask for a vote uh uh if we are going to submit this um i will remove myself from the voting so it has to be a majority rule here i guess i could be a tiebreaker if i needed to be since there's just four of you so my wild card submission is Let's see. What's the best way to do this? Part of me wants to ask you all to turn off your screens and then turn them on if you say yes to the answer here, just so that, you know, not everybody knows. Um, okay. Oh, boy. So <laughs> my don't respond with your body language yet. We will do this this way. My wild card submission to the Goblet of Fire candidate list doesn't mean it automatically goes in is the killing of Bailey at the end by Sam. Now, the reasons we have withheld wild cards in the past and the litmus test for submission for ghostface kills was did ghostface actually do the kill the the primary criteria being character in costume as ghostface doing the kill i would argue and why i want to submit this as a wild card possibility is that this we keep calling it a trilogy this era this generation is flirting with the conceit of sam herself as a ghostface if not the preeminent ghost face, ultimately on top of that, just metaphorical sort of criteria that is getting met here is to my knowledge, which I'm open to con- contesting here, being contested on here. She is the only character who is, um, who kills 
not in full ghost face attire, but she is in the robe still. She hacks and slashes Bailey while in full ghost face attire, removes the mask, is still in the robe when she executes the final the final kill, which to me makes it a little different than some of the other potential wild cards that would brush up against ghost face kills. Is there not is there a challenge to this submission? Does anyone else know? Is there another character in partial ghost face that I'm not thinking of? Sydney in one. No, I looked it up. She's not. She's oh, in, you're she's, just she's, being a blowhard about a very obvious point. Hang on, stop, stop, <laughs> don't, 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 I know what your answer is going to be. You tend to affirm here, but Reed, I, I, I was planning for that one. I didn't know it would come from you, but I was planning for that one and intentionally looked it up. She oh. is in the costume when she bursts out of the closet and stabs with the umbrella. But Which the actual thinking of. kill, yeah. the actual kill, she is not in any mask or robe. Oh, okay. So that's what clarify, I'm clarify for me. She is in the costume when she jumps she out. She has and the stacks mask him. on. With she has the, the mask on. No, she's got she's got both on. Yeah, because she takes she's, it off in the scene. I literally watched it before recording yeah. because I knew so, I asked this question. But but I can't remember what I can't remember in this moment. So remind me what yeah. I can't remember in this moment is I know that Sam stalks Bailey not only with the phone call but also in full regalia when does she take off the mask so she she just she before comes, she stabs she, him in the eye yes okay she comes she she uh appears behind the curtain in full oh outfit God. she steps yeah. through the curtain she pin cushions the hell out of his arm yeah. and then takes off the mask she and tara have a moment then she says you uh but you did f with my family and stabs him in the eyeball or whatever it was yeah stabs did- in the eye discounting so i will still contend though discounting the brutality of the moments beat wise those are still very similar initial you know disabling with ghost face mask on actual kill shot ghost face mask off right but but in scream one in scream 96 uh sydney is not wearing mask or robe that is an important distinction here i thought she had the mask on when she jumps out of the thing Yes, she jumps out with everything on, stabs with an umbrella, but d- does not kill him. The kill shot to Billy is is no one is in any costume whatsoever. Right, but the kill shot to, I mean, we've seen Chad be a pincushion. Bailey would have survived if she didn't stab him in the eye. That's the comparison I'm making. Right, but she Yeah, is I think the difference costume. is that there's partial costume in Sam yes. and no costume in Sydney. Right. She's just got the mask. Who? They both Sydney. just they both had no. masks and Sam had the robe on. They both removed the masks, but Sam is still in partial costume because she has the robe, but Sydney does not have the robe. So she's just in street clothes. So she's completely out of ghost face when she kills Billy, whereas Sam is still partially in the costume. The the point of the question wow. is, is this open <laughs> for consideration? Everyone go to black screen. Come back in if you are okay with this being part of the candidate list for Ghostface Kills. The eyes have it. Uh, So uh, majority (laughs) here is this particular kill is at least on the list as a possible candidate. Um, I got shot. I would just like to note that I got shot down without an opportunity for a defense (laughs) when I tried to do the same thing. I got shot down without even an opportunity to defend my logic. Which one was it? Go ahead. I can't remember. Scream four. I had a good case for why Trevor should have been 
in this consideration and I didn't even get to defend it before it was like, no, you're changing the rules. And then you, <laughs> right. even you were like, no, we'll do the scream on the side. No, have your have your well, right. face but killed. Nobody nobody <laughs> oh, is in no. any version of costuming when we Trevor broke the podcast. is killed. Man, yeah, yeah. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, that kill will not be read submission for the <laughs> Goblet of Fire. So your kills you get to choose from here are in or in sequence order. Samara Weaving, who uh, beyond just the fun of she was in Ready or Not, this is the Ready or Not guys, it is a bit odd to hear her natural aussie accent uh or at least i can't recall if i had before but yeah. it was it was a, a a bit jarring moment uh she's the associate professor professor of film studies she's trying to get a um blind date going on here uh and she is coaxed and taunted out into the alley where uh a a pseudo ghost face uh well as it's actually ghost face i'm sorry i won't keep, keep qualifying ghost face here it's a character <laughs> in the mask and costume uh, kills her brutally in the alleyway. Next is Jason, aka Flash Thompson, quote unquote, Greg calls. Uh, they're going to finish Richie's film by killing Sam and Tara. The killer plays hot and cold with Jason. Do you feel, do you feel like an animal, Jason? But we have to finish the movie. Who gives an F about the movies? This is not Blake's podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, next is, There's is Greg. Like four swears this episode i know i know, I know. <laughs> ah f- much bleeping yeah. already. um okay <laughs> wow. so uh the next the next kill is actual greg who is chopped up and stuffed in the fridge that that was work and gross um next is a baldy in the bodega waiting in line next is a second baldy in the bodega waiting in line next is the bodega owner he's stabbed then shotgun we haven't even mentioned the bodega scene that's a great scene no um, oh, it's excellent it's, it's excellent, excellent. Um, yeah. uh, Dr. Dr. Stone, uh, Sam's creepy therapist, my dude, goodness gracious. That's a wicked kill. He looks through the door glass. Ghostface punches through the glass in the door, grabs him, slams his face against the metal frames. I stabs noted him in the face. as he yes. walked towards the door, there's a mail slot on the door, <laughs> but then Ghostface just broke the glass and didn't utilize yeah. the yeah, mail yeah, slot. Yeah. Did not utilize the mail <laughs> slot. Yeah, but also that scene, like watching and it's like you're next you're next you're next and then he's next he's next um okay next is quinn's boyfriend slash sex boy uh when quinn gets fake killed he's in the tub just just it's just a wicked nasty scene next is annika with the she she had been just just gutted against the wall wicked scene uh and then the latter set piece we've referred to several times Ghostface be shaking that ladder like a mofo is what my notes say. Monica <laughs> falls off. She falls. She falls and face smash against Matt. the dumpster. Hits the pavement. Bye bye, Annika. Next and and last in this film is Gail's boy toy. My man is just waiting on some DoorDash. Come on, man. <laughs> Let him have his last meal. Come on. Uh, so those, uh, along with what has been submitted by majority, the wild card, um, uh, and I'll describe it. She is in the, uh, costume and mask when she, when she being Sam uses Bailey as a friggin' pin cushion, then still in the robe when, but you did with my family stabs him straight in the eyeball. That's a pretty nasty kill. So Reed, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with you because I feel bad a little bit here, uh, but I'm going to start you with should. you. What? Um, I don't totally because, you know, no, you, you rarely are, do. And it's just fun. 
There's a lot um, of truth to that statement. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah. Reed, I mean, what is your we've known each other for a long time? What is um, your candidate to submit to the Goblet of Fire for Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame? Well, if I if I have the pleasure of going first, man, I'm torn between two. Um, I am going to go with the sentimental one for myself and go with Laura Crane. The lovable ah. slasher film studies professor who goes on a blind date and just gets got. Um, there was there were two that I was vying between, and I had some alternates if if both got taken before it got to me. But uh, that is my number one. I love Samara Weaving. She's wonderful, uh, even for the ten minutes that she's in this film. She's just God, she's just great. So yeah, so that's that'll be my submission to the Goblet of Fire, the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame. Her Laura scream Kramer. when she gets got is like genuine. Oh, it's so good. She's got a next level scream though, and I think she's commented in interviews before that that's partially why she keeps getting asked to even play small roles in horror films is because <laughs> she has got a next yeah. level natural scream. Uh, yeah. She really, yeah, really is exceptional. So one thing yeah. I like about her use in the movie is you know that feeling sometimes when you're watching a movie and you're like you ain't a doctor you know like <laughs> just casting is off or whatever yeah. i kind of like that she's associate professor of film studies like <laughs> which isn't meant to demean her it's just like yeah she's she's young on the young side to be a quote-unquote professor of just about anything so i kind of love that i was like that's oh. okay i'm on board now you know like you know, I I always think of uh for some dumb reason Will Smith and I am legend. There's like scenes of him in a lab coat. I'm like, you ain't a doctor. Um, okay. Uh next I'm gonna come to Blake. You have not been on a Scream Wing episode yet. I'm gonna give you some leeway here on uh or some priority here on your submission. Uh mainly because of the agony that Jackson went through as y'all were litigating it. And the fact that Reed really hates the fact that this is going to go, I'm going to go with Bailey and largely because it's Dermot Mulroney. I mean, come on. Uh, Halloween is suffering. Reed. Halloween is. suffering. Oh, no, no, no. I, yeah. Halloween is suffering. No, I just wrote, I just wrote <laughs> down here um, on my little spreadsheet where I'm keeping track of these um, Bailey, the cop Dermot Mulroney, scream kills hall of fame i just i just wrote that right there so that we're just all i acknowledge as a wild card yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the good news is it's now on the list <laughs> 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 all right vera coming to you uh i'm gonna go with the therapist mm, yeah. yeah that face stab was that's awful yeah what what i find interesting about these two entries is and four four walks up to this um arguably with the neighbor kill but like in ways one through three are in sparing ways these couple are wicked in the kills yeah I mean, yeah um you know clearly drew barrymore that's a pretty terrible kill and jada in two is a pretty terrible kill but you know those are well-designed big set pieces this is just like no he is just brutal or he she they are let's not forget Olivia in four. That's what I said. I said the neighbor in four. I'm sorry. That's who I was. Referring oh, okay. To. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, Vera. You said the therapist Jackson. What about you? Annika, because that kill takes work. He's got to shake the ladder. <laughs> she's got to fall off. Like he's already stabbed her. But yeah, like 
Also, because ladders are terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> and I hate them. I hate being on a ladder, especially the idea of crawling across. We've talked about this. I don't get scared by a whole lot of things, but that scares me. So, I uh, yeah. Annika. Annika was Annika was going to be my alternate. Like it, you know, like Annika was my second choice if I didn't get the opportunity to pick Laura Crane. That's cool. a really. Really you took my first pill. choice, so it's fine. Hey, there we go. <laughs> it was a peace offering. Um, <laughs> all right. So thank you, everyone, for your submissions to the Goblet of Fire. This go around for Scream 6. It is now my turn. And, you know, you all have taken some very strong candidates. Um, arguably some of the strongest the film has to offer. But if we're basing this on just like not necessarily brutality, but what's the worst way you would want to go? For me, that'd be waiting on food. Uh, like if I'm <laughs> anticipating my meal showing up, if I have ordered, planned for, you know, date night with my lady and we got food on the way, like it's, it's coming. Like I'm looking at the app and I see they're on approach. Like my stomach's growling. I'm excited. I don't know. Maybe it's some sushi from Mr. Tokyo. Um, you know, maybe it's some Hawthorne's pizza. I don't know. Shout out Charlotte locales. But if I had to get killed, then that would suck. I'd just be like, please just give me a final meal. Uh, so I am going to submit <laughs> who I definitely titled Gail's boy toy uh, to the Goblet of Fire for the ghost face kills all of fame completely unnamed <laughs> completely unnamed she didn't even seem that broken up about it yeah, just... no, she did no. not if anything yeah. she's still broken up about dewey actively presently in the moment while he's getting killed in the background oh, yeah. waiting on his dinner yes oh, <laughs> she yes. looks at the picture of them yeah yeah oh okay. yeah yeah absolutely. It's, it's dewey's final revenge <laughs> yes yes <laughs> takes it off it's it's david arquette oh my gosh wow all right, mm. so we have those five submissions for Scream 6. Uh, that brings our total tally up to 25 that Nathan wow. and I will have to whittle down <laughs> uh, for the top 10. That's a good showing. That's enough to play around with and see what, what shakes up for the top 10 of that. Stay tuned for the epilogue for that finale, but we need to still get to our fog meter. So uh, fog meter is our very specific metric where we rate these films, not on their quality per se, but on their uh, gravity, their heft, what they ask of you as the viewer. Uh, scale of zero to ten. Um, Blake, you are new to Scream Ween, so I'm going to let you go first. What would you go ahead and give me both? What would you give Scream Six on your fear measurement and then your God measurement? Um, well, fear measurement, I would say it's not scream is just not a particularly scary franchise. Um, these are more gory than scary. Um, so I would give it a probably, I'll give it a five on the fear, um, on the God. Hmm. I think it's there, but I think we have to bring a lot to it still. I'll give it a six. Um, I don't think I would give it any higher than that because I, I think we were doing a lot of work um, that the filmmakers didn't necessarily put into it. And so, yeah, I think six is fair. Cool. All right. 
Uh, Vera, coming to you next, what would you give it for your fear measurement and your God measurement? Give me both. Yeah. So um, I, um, echoing what Blake said, I don't think that they're particularly scary, but they are very brutal. Um, But there are some harrowing scenes like the subway and um, the ladder scene that we keep referencing. So I'm going to give it a seven. Um, And for God, I think that like many of the other screen movies, it spells it out at the end. The killer loves to give a speech about what their motives are, but I, we didn't really discuss that. (laughs) We chose something else to talk about, um, which I think was more poignant um, and I liked better than what they say their motivations are in the movie. And so um, I'm going to give it a five. Very cool. All right, Jackson, what would you give to Scream 6? Okay. The ladder alone gets an eight. Mm. I hate ladders. They're terrifying. Yes. But to what Vera was saying, I think the motivation of the killer is the same as what we talked about. It's family. Mm. And that's what this movie is about. And I'm going to give it a 10. All right. No, own it. That's great. No, no problem. No problem. Um, Nathan, what would you give for the fear and the God? Um, I would argue five and six are much better at the fear factor than almost any of the predecessing predecessor films. Um, I think, uh, you know, what say scream one and two do exceptional as far as the scare factor goes is, is relegated mainly to the front, you know, those opening teasers, whereas these two and this one specifically, since it's what we're identifying or, you know, kind of isolating here tonight is, across it it's brutal it's thrilling it is suspenseful like i i think i think the bodega scene is just a badass scene i think the subway scene is is top five sequences across the franchise in terms of if you're going to scare me in these movies that scene does a lot of work to achieve that um Mm -hmm. and so kind of because of those things i think i'm gonna land at a seven for scream six on the fear measure um I hate to repeat myself, but I'm, I think I'm going to go for a seven on the God simply because I do think like, yes, I had some of those experiences and things I was listening to from the lecture I referenced rattling around subconsciously, but I wasn't really thinking about that actively. But what did very clearly come to me was the notion of trust and the notion of the need to trust, uh, to, to stay human, the need to invest ourselves in others, to stay present and, and connected and all that sort of stuff and how challenging that is. You know, I mean, I think Vera might have been you 30 minutes ago at this point, or I can't remember exactly, but Ghostface can potentially be anywhere. The compulsion to trust can can leave us. Uh and 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 we can we can not want to engage that because it's too risky. Uh and yet we have to, for our own health and well being, uh be able to put those, you know, take those steps. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a seven on the God meter. Awesome. Uh, I uh, I'm actually going to double up on mine as well for for both fear and God. I'm going to give these an eight each Um, fear for me. uh, I do feel like there's some great suspense in it. Uh, You know, I mean, 
it is difficult for any film to be truly nightmarish or, you know, ultimately scary for me as many as I've seen at mm. this point. But there's a tremendous amount of suspense. There's a tremendous amount of well-executed set pieces. Uh, I love in the bodega scene, there's this like soulful, lovely tune playing underneath it. So I love the balance of that. It creates this really great atmosphere. Um, so yeah, so eight for me for fear and then, you know, eight for God as well, because I feel like it's really hard to pull off what they did pull off with the core four idea. And that endears itself so much to me that I think, uh, you know, it, and it, and it's effortlessly in the text of the film. Uh, I feel like, you know, broader extrapolations of it or what we bring to it. But I feel like they very, very well established these four characters as, you know, vibrant, real characters who live life together and then encounter these experiences. And that's kind of new for the franchise. Uh, they've had many strong characters before, but not quite in this way. So so I will uh, land an eight there. And that means that we give Scream 6 a 7 out of 10 on the fog meter, which is a pretty strong showing. Um, I can't remember if that's the highest right now. I think maybe Scream 4 we gave a 7. I can't remember exactly. I'd have to go back and listen to the episodes. But most uh, important question is, do we recommend Scream 6? Uh, so I will start and go in reverse order. Uh, I wholeheartedly recommend Scream 6. I think it's wonderful. Nathan, do you recommend it? Absolutely. And in fact, in ways I haven't in a while, like I will be excited to see the next one in the theater. Uh, mm -hmm. These this, this era of this franchise is very exciting to me. So yes, I, I heartily recommend 6. Awesome. Jackson, do you recommend it? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> no shock. Why am I here if not to recommend this movie? <laughs> so true. It's an existential recommendation. Um, yes. Yeah, so, Vera, do you join in? Yeah, of course. I think that it's a strong entry into what is now a franchise. Yes, absolutely. Uh, by its own admission. Blake, curious to hear your answer here. Do you recommend Scream 6? <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Back of the box. Sure. Why not? Raise Blake Collier. Um, Fly by uh, films. Blake Collier. <laughs> exactly. All right. So that is our last conversation this Scream Aween about a film entry. We will tie off for our Halloween episode. Y'all, this episode is airing. Next oh, week's episode no. is airing on Halloween. So we will bring yes. things all together uh, with a conversation where we dive into what we've learned in the franchise. Uh, we'll count down the Ghostface Kills Hall of Fame. We're going to rattle off a couple of other favorite listicles. We'll see exactly what's going to shake up for the epilogue, talk about the franchise as a whole. So next week, uh, the scream a epilogue is going to be coming to your feeds for Halloween. We hope you all preliminarily have a very safe and a very happy Halloween. We hope you enjoy yourselves. Uh, Jackson, Vera, Blake, thank you so much for being here. Nathan, thank you as always. Listeners, thank you as always. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. Thank you all so much. This was a whole bunch of fun. So glad to see you guys. <laughs> we will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later, Lackey. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media and episode archive, essays, merchandise, and more. 
If you love what we do, consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash the fear of God podcast, where you will unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online events, and so much more. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of tracermatula.com for our artwork. Our assortment of talented musicians, Andrew Nelson, the Island family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes. And to Lee Wright and Reed Lackey for our theme music. Special thank you also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.